Everybody, welcome to another episode of Cape Town, the superhero podcast about superhero things. I am Tyler Huckabee. I'm Hannah Mazel. And I'm Ryan Ham. And this week we are going to be talking about the Winter Soldier. Uh, I guess it's going to be like both the character of the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, and also the like very fairly famous. Uh, run of comics in the early 2000s in Captain America that introduced, that reintroduced, I should say, the Winter Soldier, and maybe why that's become one of the very few, actually, Captain America series that has become kind of a must-read. Uh, it's surprising, given the fact that the guy's been around for about 50 years now. He doesn't have more of those, but but this is definitely, if there's one Captain America series to read, it's probably the Winter Soldier. But before we get into that, which we're going to, we are recording this on Monday, and uh, it's a pretty big Monday for the MCU because they dropped this, I don't even really know what you'd call it, like a sizzle reel, almost, like a, a, a look back at the last 10 years of Marvel movies and then kind of a welcome back to the theaters. Yeah. Here's what oh, we're rolling tickets. out over the next. Yeah, like, please come back. We, yeah. we need to pay Scarlett Johansson. So here's the next. Like, yeah. I think they, they, they went pretty far forward into like the next three or four years of what they plan on, at least some of what they plan on rolling out in the movie theaters. And I don't know. I was pretty surprised, actually, at how much I enjoyed it, consider what a, considering what a blatant marketing scheme it was. Yeah, hook, line, and sinker. It yeah, got me. I, I fell for it. <laughs> it was brilliant. I fell yeah. for it. I was pretty. I was pretty hyped at the end of it. I was. I was. I. I don't know. It worked. It helped that they had like Stan Lee narrating it. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. that was like the first key, and then instant it also gravitas. Helped, that right there, they gotcha. And it helped that they showed like that famous clip of the movie theater of the people reacting to the live Endgame thing. Yeah, and it's just like, oh yeah, going to movies is great, and I've missed it, <laughs> so yeah. I will go to all of these. I, I was really a little surprised. I don't know if you guys saw this. This was like kind of deep cut internet stuff, but uh, Kevin Feige talked a little earlier this week about seeing the first cut of Eternals, which Chloe Zhao, who just won an Oscar for Best Director and her movie Nomadland won Best Picture. And he talked about getting some of the early footage back of that and being really wowed that she hadn't used a green screen for any of it because it had been captured, uh, that she had done it all uh, naturally with no CGI. And he kind of got razzed on the internet, probably deservedly so, kind of got razzed on the internet for like, Oh, you can make a movie without green screen. Who, <laughs> who, who knew? Which I think is fair. But seeing the shots, uh, of, we only got maybe a total of ten seconds of Eternals footage in this thing. But I kind of see what he's saying a little bit in it because it was a very like that. It was a. It looked very different than the Marvel sort of house style that we've gotten used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a lot more, a lot more natural light, a lot more interesting framing. Uh, it's, it looks like based on. Again, very limited intel right now. Like they really let her kind of do her own thing with this. It, it shows. It doesn't look like any other any of the rest of the footage that we saw. It definitely stood out as being its own thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. I haven't seen any of Chloe Zhao's films. Not that she has a lot, right? Like a couple. She has two, like main, I believe. Yeah, big pictures. Nomadland so. and and Windrider and Nomadland is really good. It's it's I'm, kind I'm of kind a hard of watch, like, but, but it's yeah. good. I enjoyed it. Doesn't it. look like a like how a Marvel movie would make you feel, which <laughs> I, which I, what I'm actually really excited to see what she does with this. Cause I, I, the Eternals are definitely like a series that I've been so intrigued by and have not yet dipped a toe in. And like, I, I, I was reading a bunch of articles just scouring the internet after watching the Marvel uh, clip and do they're cool. I think this, I'm excited to see what she does with um just, I feel like the unique, the uniqueness of the characters compared to where like the other main stars of the MCU. In the Are past. they the most maybe obscure Marvel property to be brought into the MCU, or at least to get their own lead MCU movie? They probably are. I think so. Or a lead movie? I think so. I, I think even yeah. I think even most Marvel fans would kind of be like the who? No, yeah. like they are they are a deep cut by, yeah. which is probably an appeal to Chloe maybe Shang Chi. Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Apparently yeah. it's Shang-Chi. I've been saying I felt Shang-Chi. like a fake fan. I've been saying it wrong <laughs> my entire life. Um funny, funny thing, because you brought up Kevin Feige 
And yeah. I, I read on one of our reviews on our, an Apple podcast that yeah. they're like, they all say his name in different ways, but I still like their podcast. Uh, and well, so yeah. I will say that I believe I was the one that has been uh, mispronouncing his name. No, I've definitely said it wrong. It, it, it may be you, but it has also been me. Okay. I am I am like 85% sure it's Feige, but it I'm is, still yeah, not. I'm pre- yeah. There's actually no way to pronounce it correctly. So anything you say is right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can yeah. make anything canon. Yeah, if it's exactly. actually Shang-Chi, <laughs> then who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. actually it Kevin does not Fieri. Matter. Kevin Fieri. <laughs> 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 no, but the, the Eternals thing is really cool. And I do think it'd be really fun. Apparently, Chloe Zhao, after uh, her two movies, went to Marvel and said she wanted to work for them, which yeah. I don't know if that's how these things usually happen, but it is how it happened this time. And apparently, they were more than... Ha- she started out... At first, they said, do you want to put together a pitch for Black Widow? They started going down that path, didn't quite work, so backed up on that. And then she was the one who came back to them and said she had an idea for this Eternals movie, which I think they're only real... We'll, we'll, we'll do an Eternals episode somewhere down the line. They're really only, to my knowledge maybe three, two actual Eternals comic series and then one that is currently ongoing that they just started and is maybe three or four issues in. So if you want to get on board, now would be a good time because yeah. they just started. But uh, there's Jack Kirby's original series, which was sort of his Marvel magnum opus. He loved this stuff. He loved the idea of creating these like small sub communities within humanity who more or less look like us, but aren't us. And there's good guys and bad guys and they duke it out. This was what this was what the X-Men were. He did this over at DC with New Gods. And then he came back to Marvel and did it with Eternals, which is the same idea. And mm-hmm. then actually uh, Neil Gaiman was the one who picked it up and did another uh, run at it. Neil Gaiman, the very famous sci-fi fantasy author, yeah, gave it another I didn't go. Know that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he did the another series. Like I think it only lasted maybe a year or so, but it's pretty good. I, I, it's pretty good. But it, I would say neither of those are super well known. You know, they're not all timers. They obviously never became banner characters. But they are about to be very famous. Oh yeah, Angelina Jolie and Hot Kamel and yeah. uh, and uh, all that. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It'll be fun. There's a lot of good recognizable faces playing good these cast. characters. Yeah, really. yeah, good, yeah. Good, yeah, strong. Who can cast. act? Yeah, Pro- yeah. Like provenly, like they're proven good performers. Like they do a great job. So I think they can go weird. I don't know. I don't know why, but I imagine Chloe Zhao's style is like approachable Terrence Malick. <laughs> I would, I would say wrong? that's. I would say there's. I'd say you're onto something there. Sure, I could go with that. And I yeah. would be like really into seeing that, like kind of get laced into a Marvel movie, <laughs> like like yeah. hand like hands on the field from oh, behind yeah. as you're walking uh-huh. through. Like, yeah. uh-huh. So basically, the man of the man of steel trailer. Oh, oh, boo! <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, right. Oh. The trailer actually rocks. We all yeah. we all know our feelings about the Man of yeah, Steel. Yeah, the best trailer, trailer yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, the best yeah. Superman property ever. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. We've and then we found out a few small things like Black Panther will apparently be called Wakanda Forever. We're all gonna that cry. That we are gonna cry. That's filming now, and we still don't really know what they're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what they're gonna do. I think last we heard is that they're not gonna replace True. T'Challa, right? They are not recasting T'Challa. So yeah. whatever, which I think is the the right way to do it. But what they're gonna do instead is we don't know. Yeah, it's interesting though because you know, in typical comic comic book fashion, I'm like very cynical because I'm just like, yeah, they say they're not gonna recast T'Challa, but what if it's like T'Challa and it's from like Earth yeah, six one seven. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like you know, suddenly Doctor Strange is like, oh look, a Black Panther from another universe. Come on, resurrecting Killmonger from the grave yeah, to, exactly. to give him the title. Like, yeah. any, nothing would super surprise me, but I don't think. I feel like I feel like the general, like the fan theories are everywhere right now in the comics. Uh, his sister Shuri does become Black Panther for a little yeah. bit. So, and Letitia Wright, I think, makes a lot of sense. I think, I think yeah. she could carry the franchise. That seems like the most obvious way to go. But you've also got a Koye, and uh, or you could just bring in, you know, Daniel Kaluuya sitting right there. You got another Oscar winner on your the, who's already on your yeah. gas, yeah, exactly. ready to go, and he yeah. could obviously carry it. So I don't know. I don't know where they'll go with it. Got a lot of options. It's a hard, yeah. yeah it's a hard one. It's such a delicate subject too. Yeah, it's, for it's sure. such a tragic story, and you want to honor Chadwick's memory, but yeah. and and there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that. And yeah. I don't know that I trust Disney to handle that well, but I think I do trust Ryan Coogler to handle that exactly. Well. Yeah, and uh, then 
Captain Marvel to, is going to be the Marvels, I guess. Yeah, it was, I was the other like probably that. the final big reveal. I, I don't think anybody had any idea that was going to happen. Yeah, that was like a rebrand. Miss Marvel is coming up. They're filming Miss Marvel mm-hmm. right now. So, and we'd known, I think, that she was going to be in Captain Marvel two. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we also knew that Monica from WandaVision was also going to be in Captain Marvel 2. And these are yeah. both in the comics. Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel for a while. Actually, was Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers was uh, back in the 70s. And right. now, she's this, now she's called Spectrum in the comics. Uh, I don't know what her name is going to be in this, obviously. But apparently, it's going to be all three of these women kind of co-sharing the, the family name, the Marvels. Uh, that sounds cool. I'm excited yeah. for that one. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see where that one goes. I think it's interesting because it feels like they do this occasionally, right? Like Ant Man and the Wasp, or Ant Man Two became Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, it's sort of a sequel. It is a sequel technically, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's not two. It's like an expand. It's an expansion yeah. of the original idea. Well, and honestly, and I feel like Captain America Two could have been Captain America and Black Widow because they were basically co-stars for that yeah. whole thing. So, I, you know, I do think there's a good track record of this, too, um, happening. But it is it is a little weird that they didn't really give Captain Marvel much more than an origin story standalone movie. Although I guess mm-hmm. they didn't do that with Captain America either. So I guess not. There's so much rich material with Captain Marvel and the character of yeah. Carol Danvers. Yeah. And I there's tons of stories you could tell there. But this is definitely one of them. And obviously, the like the friendship between Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel between uh Kamala Khan and Carol Danvers is a really fun one in the comics. Yeah. The, the, this mentor mentee role. There's a lot there. Um, so excited. We'll wonder, see how the Disney Plus series goes. I wonder if they were looking for a way to bring it back to Earth, too. Um, That's true. Because I, like, I feel like there's not a lot, even in the comics, to necessarily keep Captain Marvel on Earth, but there's a lot to send her space. And maybe with Eternals and Guardians 3. They had enough space stuff they, they lined up. They didn't need any more, any yeah. more space well, stuff. They definitely seem to be like leaning into the space stuff with her. I mean, basically yeah, during I the last so two Avengers movies, she was, you know, yeah, not on. Earth it's a great little duex machina for why she's not involved in her. Like, yeah, oh, she's exactly. out in space. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of stuff going on out there. We, she that. can't be. Ev- she can't be everywhere. They did not talk about a few things. They we didn't get it that we kind of know in the works. They did not talk about Blade, which we knew we know is kind of happening with Mahershala Ali and I think they've even found a writer for it but that was not part of the of the current lineup and they did not talk about Captain America 4 which has also been announced and will star Sam Wilson uh who we know now is the new Captain America following the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier we uh we texted off the pod a little bit about our feelings and I feel like we're all on kind of different pages about the where this show found itself uh, Ryan, you said you were pretty unhappy with the finale, at least. Yeah, yeah. I'd really like the show. Um, I yeah. mean, I think the last time we recorded, I think we were four episodes in, and I thought episodes yeah. four and five were both really good. I thought they were setting up some really cool conflicts. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I was just, I was pretty disappointed in episode six because, or the finale. Um, and obviously, there will be spoilers for people who haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So stop here before you uh, spoil it for yourself. But yeah, I just felt like they dropped some of the kind of interesting stuff that they'd been toying with in previous episodes. Like particularly, I thought it was weird that suddenly like U.S. agent was like cool again, even though he'd like (laughs) committed a war crime on, you know, the Internet, which, you know, I feel like if I thought that Disney Plus shows were smart enough to make the point that like American foreign policy often is committing war crimes and then like seeming cool two weeks later, <laughs> then I would be more interested. But I don't think Disney Plus shows do like are smart enough to do that. I don't know. I don't. You think that? I think that they've proved like they've they've done a pretty good job with their programming. I think they could absolutely. Make I mean, a I point think they've like done that. a good job, but like I don't feel like the characters of like Winter Soldier or Falcon would have been that responsive because the whole show is kind of this like questioning of like American, uh, you know, involvement in like, you know, what is America, which like, you know, is always kind of the crux of the best Captain America stories. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was just kind of weird where it was like this whole thing is grappling with Sam, you know, even thinking like, what does the shield mean? And then it's like, oh, here's a dude who like murdered somebody in cold blood, but he's okay now because he helps like a building. I didn't get the sense that he was okay. 
I don't know. I, I think that I see Sam interact with John Walker. Yeah, I guess post that's true. John. We, so we don't know. We we saw Bucky. And, to, and I guess they're, you know, two war criminals who can kind of bond yeah. over being. Yeah, Bucky criminals. don't have a leg to stand on to, <laughs> to point finger. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I didn't get the sense. Like, I know there was like that controversial tweet. I didn't remember who had actually written that. Like, they were trying to say that, like, we wanted you to like John Walker at the end of the. Yeah. The yeah. show yeah. director. Explain that. Yeah. Was that said, it? Oh. Said yeah. That, which was like, if that was the goal, then mission failed. Yeah. Like, like that was that. Oh, I would yeah. say I did not end with me liking John Walker any better. I think that maybe if the goal was to make you feel conflicted about him, like, like, Oh, he's like, because he's got the serum in him, like in his, Mm -hmm. you know, body when he makes that decision to take someone's life just for revenge. Yeah. Um, So he was maybe not in total control of his situation at that time when he, when he killed. I mean, I feel like they showed a look on his face when he committed that act. Like he wasn't, like he kind of had a feeling of like, what have I done? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't think he would say we we never heard him like defend it as the right thing to do or anything like that. Well, I mean, he, he did in you know he, he did in his court martial like in yeah. his trial he did. That. <laughs> I guess yeah. he kind of did. And <laughs> no, he, he did. And I think this was important that he he lied to the family. Of, right. uh, I can't think of his friend's name who was killed, but he did not Lamar. come clean. Lamar, yeah. yeah, he did not come clean, which to me was setting him up to be the heel for a much longer time than the show actually let him be. And uh, yeah. and then he kind of ended on the right. Yeah, I would, I would say there were like a lot of this story. This show juggled a lot of different themes and plots and ideas. And I would say the John yeah. Walker one was maybe one of the least successful things that it did it just didn't quite especially when we found out what the showrunner wanted to do with it like i was almost more forgiving before i knew where they were trying to go with it and then i was like well if that's what you wanted then this was a complete miss because i don't think anybody feels like he got he got a redemption arc if you're comparing him to bucky then yeah maybe yeah yeah but if you're comparing him to steve rogers or sam wilson then like he is obviously like not up to par character wise like he has some serious flaws not worthy of a serum i mean it wasn't offered to him he took it so yeah but also i mean i think it would have been interesting to see him as a character in like season two kind of working through that redemption arc that's true yeah but i mean it was like it was literally yeah it was literally like a single full episode because the you know his his murder happened at the end of episode four and then episode five starts with that really good fight between him and Sam and Bucky. And then like by the middle of episode six, he's like fine with Bucky again. So I like, so I just, I just felt like it was really rushed, which I think, which I think was, you know, it's weird to say about a TV show. Cause normally I love it when they're shorter, but it just felt like, and I, and I think that was kind of the overarching feeling I had was that it felt like they really had to rush to tie up all the loose ends in the last episode when like there were even some you know even like the sort of the villain of the whole thing like part of that group like i didn't even really understand what that villain was trying to do until i was never clear on the flag smashers i was never clear on what the flag smashers were you kind of know what they're angry about but like you're not really like they they i mean you they 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 don't want they want a world without borders they want to be able to travel Uh and go wherever the hell they want to go right yeah because like they didn't really we don't know the nitty gritty of the challenges when, you know, the blip happened during the blip. Yeah. yeah they had, they, they're, they obviously like they teased at it and far from home. And, and, and this took it more seriously you know, instead of yeah. far from home was more comedic, which I, I liked. That was good. Yeah. And WandaVision yeah. did a little bit too with Monica. Yeah. So like, I think I wouldn't be surprised if some of the next major films kind of tackle that yeah. subject of, of, you know, this major thing happened. And then like, in a, I hate to say this, but like, I feel like in a DC movie, they'd have been like, this thing happened, the world burned, and then everything just went <laughs> back to normal. And like, I am, I, I appreciate right. them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm right. I wish yeah. I wasn't. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Slow motion shots of just like airplanes down with people <laughs> impaled in the wreckage. And, yes. And, all that. and it, yeah, yeah, like just freaking Superman, like just like throwing people through buildings, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Anyway, I do think though that. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to see what they do with like the subsequent films after this. I don't know. I I don't think I have as many negative feelings about the whole thing. 
at least definitely Ryan, but it sounds like maybe I, I like it more than you, Tyler. I think you might. I, I think I like it more than Ryan did too. I'm probably in between mm-hmm. you guys. That's my usual spot. <laughs> I think that, I think that there were a few times, like I, I think with the, with John Walker committing a, a war crime, killing an innocent on in, in front of the world. And, and then I would relate it to a similar moment uh, in the next episode, I believe, where Sam goes back to Isaiah Bradley and here's the full story of what happened to the original, the, the, the original super soldier. And I thought both of those moments were really, really excellently handled were Mm -hmm. filmed so well. I think Carl Lumbly's performance as Isaiah Bradley is one of the best things the MCU best acting, some of the best acting the MCU has ever had. He was, he was really, really strong and they were both so good that the subsequent kind of resolution of those conflicts didn't quite they were almost filmed too well for the for the resolutions to work because Sam just is kind of like there's a short little montage and then he's like well he's living his truth and that's why he's not <laughs> captain america but i will be yeah. and i would have i feel like i could have used at least one more episode in each of those that i think you could have mm-hmm. done it in a single episode yeah. although i would have taken a whole season uh, to was watch it? it was them eight episodes, right? With it, yeah, it's not it was very only long. Six, yeah, it was, was only six. six? What yeah. if they did eight or ten? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It wasn't super yeah. long, and I yeah. and I think they I, could have gotten there. Probably, yeah. And there was really good. I think of all the things they tackled and tried to figure out. I do think Sam Wilson deciding to take the shield was the strongest. I think. Yeah, agree. By the end, I was pretty. Um, I was. I was really. It was cool to see him. I know a lot of people don't like the costume. I thought it was okay. It was very comic book accurate. Like it looked yeah. like the comic book yeah. version of it, and it was fun to see him own that. And even the the monologue he gives at the end of the news cameras about uh, about the importance of looking after the oppressed, which felt a little bit rough draft, but I he delivered it. Anthony Mackey, I think, delivered it strongly enough that I was willing to let it happen. I, well, I, I mean, he's new that. to the job. It would have been weird if he pulled out this like amazing speech. That's true. Just like, the like <laughs> That's I've true. never done yeah, this before, yeah. but here I am. <laughs> it just starts knocking doing... it out of the park. I, <laughs> I think it makes sense that he's going to like not be as smooth and, That's you know. Yeah, yeah I think mean, it's totally fair. He's and not going to have that part of the gig down yet. Yeah. I, I, by the end, I was very on board with that. And I'm really excited to see the movie, a full movie with him as Captain America. I think that'll be cool. He's he's well cast. He's right for the job. And then we, we have not talked about, which is a great moment, the introduction of Julie Louise Dreyfus in the oh. MCU, which oh, was nice. out of nowhere and was yeah. so cool. And they yeah. kept that on lockdown, which was such a surprise, which I take it back. That was the best handled thing. And I don't even totally know what the idea, what <laughs> yeah, they're doing there. Great. There's a lot of possibilities for where that's going to go in the future. But she well, is. She a, might be evil. She might she, be evil. She might she, be evil. I'm you all know? in on it. <laughs> I, I can't wait. We're big then, Veep fans, Seinfeld yeah, fans. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're this Seinfeld is, fans. The, the, I am. the Cape Town yeah. podcast is also a Veep podcast on yes. the off week. And this is. So I was very much down for that. Oh, that was like, that was the best surprise. I would say I'm between you guys. I, I feel like I liked it maybe a little less than you, Hannah, but I think I liked it. I felt pretty good about Sam's as a Falcon story. I think it was fairly successful as a, I feel like the winter soldier part got a little bit, he kind of got a little lost in the shuffle, but I thought yeah. it was a really good strong start for him though. Strong start. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought he was as somebody I've been kind of, mediocre on his performance in the mcu i just don't think he's had a whole lot to work with but i thought he was really good in this show oh yeah they let him flex some some acting muscles he did he did a pretty good job yeah Yeah. he really did he had some really good moments and as a john walker story i thought it was not very good i thought it was thought it was really good on that one and i think yeah and i think you've hit it on the head too is like my biggest i mean i think my biggest issue was just that everything felt rushed and unearned so even like even that walk with Isaiah through the Smithsonian. It's like, look, you have a statue yeah. now. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I don't know. So it's just like, does this come with like any back taxes or? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, like I felt like they'd done such a good job of setting that up. And like that conversation was like genuinely uncomfortable. And it's kind of like, you know, I think, I think Captain America kind of facing, you know, what does it mean to be Captain America and what does America mean? 
Like those are really interesting questions. So I think it was mm. just a little disappointing in the end to have it kind of wrapped up with a neat bow. And, you know, he's yeah. like, no, I love it now. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that like it's rushed. It was a rush show. And I think yeah. that they could have easily given us two extra episodes to like kind of tie up some loose ends exactly. and like, I think add more gravitas to certain moments that really needed it because they were, they, 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 they were impactful, but they could have been more impactful. Yeah. Yeah, what do you guys think about uh, Sharon being the power broker? Ooh, we haven't even touched on Sharon's story yet. Uh, Hannah, what do you think? <laughs> you don't know. It was a weird reveal. It was. So, I was kind of. I was. I was thrown by it. I was yeah. not expecting it. I kind of felt like she was a little shifty, um, but it felt like oh, it makes sense that she's shifty. She lives kind of in this like weird and Madripoor. Madripoor, like which we haven't really heard about in the MCU at all. It's just kind uh-huh. of like. But it seems like a dangerous place. And and it just like she's just kind of like she was so like devoted to her country. And like and the sense you got from her was like she's like lost that loyalty. And it's like she's like totally off the rail, Sharon, which which was like for for a character that never really had much of a moment. It was like, oh, okay, she's important now. All of a sudden, like she's basically just the girl who smooched cap. Look at her. (laughs) Yeah, it was an interesting Way to go with that character. Sharon in the comics is the longtime girlfriend of right. Steve Rogers now. Yeah. Very much his love interest and not a and not a super complicated way. And so for her them to go full heel with her, I, I'm 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 not opposed to it, but it was a surprise. Yeah, I mean I hope it's not full heel. Like I would love it if she was more of a kind of uh like new, morally neutral person, maybe uh, like an Emma, like an Emma Frost type chaotic character, neutral, or something. Yeah, chaotic exactly. neutral, yeah. yeah. Like that would be like that would be great. But she kind of really... was by the end. She kind of was. Yeah, you, yeah she exactly. Could, you can tell she was in it for her own ends, but but not not completely amoral. Like yeah, as a sense of right and wrong. Right. And I feel like you know that's the I feel like the only movie series that's kind of done that well is Guardians of the Galaxy, where you have these kind of you know amoral characters who have a moral backbone but you know also will rob you so you know i i I don't know i think it'll be great i just so i hope they don't make her like the lead villain i just want her to yeah she's got some loose morals which like i actually i think like a little shake up it was just unexpected from her character i think that was like a really good role that like they could easily make especially now that they're introducing these areas like madripoor and which was cool which was really well like the set design was great it looked it was was a very that was i I think this the show did a good job consistently of like having a real sense of place and uh, like you knew where you were at and that's not easy for for shows to do or for directors to do and i really felt that particularly in madripoor and her character felt like a very believable part of it and her little art museum she's crafting for herself (laughs) (laughs) which i liked it i was down with it I, i really did she's She's Emily Van Camp, I think is the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what else she's been in, but but she was she, in the show on the WB. Like oh, she was on show. Revenge. Revenge was her and, big one. Yeah, oh, really. I didn't watch on, that. A, on ABC. I think part of the Shondaland block. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> early Shondaland. A, I believe early Shondaland. It's kind yeah. of a blind spot for my pop culture consumption. But yeah, but she. But no, funny enough, she was on a show on the WB. I cannot remember what it was called, but Chris Pratt was also on that show. Are you serious? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just cannot. They all, they all I, get into the MCU eventually. But this yeah. was like, I think this was around the time of like Smallville. I just, it was, a, I'm old. I don't I'm know. Looking at, was, it, was, it, was she on Everwood? Everwood, yes. Is that oh. it? Okay. I don't know what that yeah. is, but, but I've that's never what seen came up when I Googled. It was a wholesome I show. All uh, Dawson's Creek, yes. Oh. <laughs> Dawson's Creek, notably wholesome. <laughs> wholesome, yeah. <laughs> famed, it was wholesome. Famed wholesome show, Dawson's um, Creek. It is pretty freaking wholesome. I guess compared to, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Compared to, compared, you can always find something. I would watch Dawson's Creek with like my my high schooler when she's older. My she's like, uh, a good sure. talking point. I was a fan that was, when I was a kid. That was I not a uh, an approved show in my household. So. The Ham household was not yeah, a fan yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, I don't think the Huckabee household was yeah. either. But but I got I got swept up in uh, in Katie Holmes's romance. I couldn't, oh, couldn't help it. Oh, Team Pacey over here. <laughs> you know what's really funny is that I I mean I'm the pastor's kid. But I was the th- I was the third out of three kids, so I think like by the time that I came around, they were like, "Forget it!" Like fine. censoring does nothing. <laughs> Just she'll figure it go out. Go, child, well, figure it out. Time for time for One Tree Hill. <laughs> oh, 
That wasn't good. No, wasn't it wasn't good. good. No, I'm not going to endorse that here. No. Dawson's was, Creek, though, that's good stuff. Dawson's was good. Yeah, I was saved a lot because we just didn't have a lot of channels in my house growing up. So my my t- acts of TV re- televised rebellion were pretty limited. Just yeah, my options. The ceiling was low. <laughs> <laughs> Listen eventually. to this, kids. <laughs> How we used to live. Just put put on focus on the family, and yeah. it'll be fun. Oh no! I put I had cassette tapes of Adventures in Odyssey. Oh sure, oh, of yeah. course, yeah, big didn't? time. Yeah, no. oh, you Mr. know, Whittaker? Look, look who you're talking to. <laughs> I think a lot of Cape Town. I think I think the Adventures in Odyssey to Cape Town pipeline is probably fairly robust. And oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, uh, a lot of people will know. Yeah, you're talking uh, about. so uh, yeah, guys, tweet at me if you had the Adventures in Odyssey Bible. I want to talk about it with you. I didn't know there was a Bible. I don't. Oh, I never had the Bible. It I had, had the, sweet comics in it, guys. I know. I was jealous of the people who did have the Bible. <laughs> Yeah. I had the oh. I had the classic. My Bible was the you can see it with like the purple on the front, and there's a bunch of like angular shapes. Oh yeah, it. the adventure you know Bible. What I'm talking about um, or the no, it was either it was the like called the Youth Walk Devotion. Yeah, yeah, maybe, that was a good one because it had the devotionals called. in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very, very stories. Very yeah. Saved by the Bell style. The yeah, outside. very <laughs> saved. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely a riff on Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah. is it a Trapper definitely. Keeper or is it my Bible <laughs> journal? Yeah. I don't know. All, all yeah. the kids, yeah, all the kids in, all the other kids in homeschool were super jealous of my Bible. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you like my Bible? Maybe you'd like to meet my friend Jesus. I'll see you at the pole. He wrote the entire thing. <laughs> oh, this is all getting cut. This is great. No, no, this is yeah. good. No, this is no, no. This is in. What we're gonna? This is gonna like all of a sudden you're gonna go on Reddit. You're gonna go on your cringe Reddit, and they're gonna they're gonna post a clip of this. Oh yeah, segment of oh, our podcast. I didn't know. Reddit there, cringe. I, are we? <laughs> we'll is, we'll end up there. No, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. No, this is good. We. I said I think I told you guys earlier this week that at some point this is gonna be gonna become like a superhero podcast on the way Friday Night Lights is a football TV show. So <laughs> football is there, like you, you can't not have the football, but but there's lots of other stuff happening in the foreground yeah. that are you yeah. trying to tell us yeah. that you're gonna commit a murder? <laughs> that we have to help you cover up. <laughs> then have my cop dad set the car yeah, on fire. Exactly. And then we'll flee to Mexico on a, on a riverboat. <laughs> may God forgive us for what we've done. <laughs> I have children. Oh. I can't be complicit in this. In the murder. Okay. Well, yeah. well no, that, that's fair. That's, okay. That's all right. That'll be oh, yeah. Cape Town weird. after dark. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Is there anything else we should talk about that's totally off subject or should we get back? Well, you know? if, we'll get to the Rachel Hollis thing eventually. As per, oh great! We do, we do want to talk about Rachel. Hollis, Someone get me a white claw. Maybe, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll find an off ramp in the in the uh, Winter Soldier discussion. Yeah. Oh point. yeah, naturally that'll. There's got to be. Up. Yeah, I feel like boy, influence culture. boy, wash your arm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Although I do think I do think, and I said this, but I stand by it. I do think going from being like Captain America's sort of jilted lover to being the power broker in Madripoor, that feels like a good. There's a there is unexplored symbolic material meat on those bones. Yeah, totally. Uh, regarding, you know, the, there's it's a bold move. Yeah, that's a bold move. That's a yeah. switch. And I could believe I could believe that like highly ideal that's what happens to the highly idealized, right? You're 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 young, you're excited, you believe in your country, something goes awry, mm-hmm. like Captain America leaves you for your aunt. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, you're you're helping Baron Zemo get his hands on super soldiers for him. That that feels that, yeah. that's a believable trajectory. Yeah. Just like Good. how Gen Zers are giving us, you know, uh, shit for wearing skinny jeans. Yeah, exactly. The Zoomers. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. and then in a couple of years they'll be like, these are very flattering. And yeah. I'll understand. Wait yeah. till the mom pooch sits in and then <laughs> call me, ladies. I, it's like all these Gen Zers with their Jinkos. Yeah, but I got a pair of oh. bigger jeans last week, guys, and mm. I'm trying them out. Oh, feels weird. It feels a weird. relaxed yeah. fit. Yeah, it's a relaxed fit. It it just feels like I've given up, honestly. Instead of a fashion <laughs> choice, it just feels like I'm embracing my. Embracing they my are relaxed fit drawstring <laughs> jean. Yeah, I think it's that was kind of a one time wear around town. See how it goes. Like no. Nah. No, time to just accept the fact that skinny jeans are dad jeans now, and that'll be my yeah. life. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> anything that anything that holds it all in. Just I mean, yeah, the nice thing compact. is like this is obviously completely <laughs> off the rails, but uh, I mean, yeah, the nice thing is if you look back at like the '80s and even the '70s, it's like all the people, and this is easier for men. I'm sorry, Hannah. Like, mm-hmm. but this is what Kate and I talk about all the time: is it's way easier for men to just sort of have this classic fashion. Because mm, you can true. just sort of, if you just buy Levi's, 
like yeah. one of like Always three sizes. Yeah, they're never yeah. out of style. As yeah, long as that's wear, because like, you guys just have suits. That's yeah. all you wear. <laughs> yeah, it's and true. it's just about well, sometimes there's three buttons, sometimes there's two buttons. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I have pinstripes. Yeah, yeah, that's sometimes that's it's the, wool. Yeah, linen. You just yeah, you just wear you just wear Levi's and flannel, and then it's you're good. But for you the can rest see of your life. you you see suits occasionally. We're like, well, that suit is right, definitely right. not in style. It's Always like, in the they're 70s, different. Yeah. It's mostly in the fit, but it, yeah. but you know, like how big or or tiny it is. Yeah. This is why I read comics, the tight superhero costumes. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta that's wear what got the me David. In, that's what got me in initially too. Sure. You yeah. just you just gotta wear the David Byrne suit for the rest of your life, and then you'll never be out of style. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Who is that? His teeth He's are a, scary. The lead talking singer heads. of Talking Heads. Talking Heads. Oh, I, I guess I never thought to Google him. You know that you you may find yourself living in no. a shotgun shell. Yeah, I know, but I I never like needed to see well, an image. Yeah, I don't know why you'd Google a picture of the guy, but <laughs> but he had a big suit. In this, yeah, he had a big in suit. this specific instance. So. I like it. I go on the internet in waves. Like sometimes it's like I'm all that's in the great. internet and that's then the other times it. I've had enough and I need to that's go away. Very, that might have happened cool. in an away window. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the 80s, I don't think. Well, obviously like in the three. 80s, you weren't on the internet either in the no, 80s, Tyler. Okay. I'm, not, I'm just saying you don't need to feel bad about this. It's not, like not strange that you haven't seen the music video for a talking head. I feel strange. I feel strange. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think, I do think notably, like, like superhero fashion, even in the 80s, was still very tight. And like there's one, maybe that's the appeal to superhero fashion is it's there's one look. It, it's it's yeah. always it's always very form fitting. Yeah, because you got a I mean, superhero like body. It. If you got a superhero body, show it off. Why not? Yeah, I feel like the thing that changes the most with superheroes is how big or small they are. It's just like like how many muscles or. Yeah, exactly. Like, do they have or a lot of tatas. muscles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. do they Just have the a, overall like, robustness yeah. of their physical yeah. attributes? Like, <laughs> is their chest very large for muscular mm. reasons or otherwise? Then it's probably the early nineties. You can. Was see there an it. era where they had more chest hair? Like, where like what well, like, they were like? like, like 80s, a, I think right? it depends on the character. Like, I think Wolverine has always Wolverine. Had a lot of chest hair. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, just kind of sprouting everywhere. But even now, like there is this. We, we'll we'll talk about this at some point on the gut. But there's this. The Hellfire Gala is coming up in X Men comics, and this is a very big deal. And every character, every X Man, like all you know, at this point, there's like I don't know how many hundred of them is Too getting like a, a formal wear, some sort of like big red carpet gala, redesigned gala look, and they're releasing really well, what in a time, and like it was like in, in Entertainment Weekly, it's like very, it's a very big deal, and some of them are very are like really cool and kind of like creative, and then some of them are are very bizarre. And <laughs> Colossus. It's been a boring year for you, hasn't it, Tyler? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has been. Yeah. I mean, I've been locked up. You know, I'm trying to. I, didn't want to I get cannot COVID. believe that you're bringing this up. This is great. I, well, it's, this, it's on the beat. This is bad. This is a little more on the podcast than on the podcast beat than Talking Heads is. Well, except for where we're going. But, uh, but, there, but Colossus started trending because his costume really accentuated the bulge like very noticeably mm. was was like the point of the of the costume to call attention to that and i think that is probably a new ish one for superhero costumes outfits i don't think that's usually part of the the like focus of the superhero getup but it's a new yeah. it's a new era you know it's it's 2021 Unless it's a Joel Schumacher Batman. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> the Joel Schumacher. <laughs> so to get back to the general point of this podcast, which is technically superhero comics in the same way. You might be confused at football. this point. <laughs> yeah, if you came in out of nowhere, this is a superhero podcast about superhero things. It's a broad lane, but we do want to talk about Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Captain America, obviously the longest running superhero comic that marvel has he actually predated marvel comics he was created back when it was called timely comics in 1943 if you want more of that story the last episode of this was about captain america and the many other people who have been called captain america besides steve rogers over the years so he came back in the 60s he was revived in the 60s uh to be in the avengers and got his own title shortly thereafter and it, it was kind of a it's they had a lot of trouble figuring out 
what Captain America was because even in the 60s by the time he came back Marvel was really trying to be the cool kind of like punk rock version of superhero comics compared to DC they were they really wanted to be seen as anti-establishment and countercultural they were trying to go for the same demo that like the Beatles had and the Stones had and then you bring in this guy Captain America who's dressed in the flag it really doesn't work so they and they threw themselves into this tension sometimes well and sometimes sometimes really not well of trying to figure out what does a guy with a flag on his chest mean right in this day and age. And they had to go through the Nixon administration with all of this and the, the whole Vietnam war they had to figure out during this. Eventually Captain America got kind of weirdly sci-fi and like, like a lot of superhero comics did and lots of aliens and werewolves and, uh, <laughs> and it, it's the very exciting of success and all of that. And then after a long stretch of fa- a very mediocre comics, uh, Ed Brubaker took over Captain America in 2005. And he quickly set the tone for what would become sort of the definitive Captain America run of the new millennium at the time, which was which is no mean feat because this was about two years after the invasion of Iraq. Patriotism was definitely, I would say, not like robust by the time that Brubaker got on board. People didn't want to read stories about uh, about like a patriotic symbol because after the initial kind of hoorah of 9-11, things had taken a very serious turn for the non-patriotic, for the very angry at patriotism. Ed Brubaker mm-hmm. definitely had his finger on the pulse uh, and understood where what sort of character he was writing with Steve Rogers. So he started writing Captain America and he quickly introduced the Winter Soldier, who was Bucky Barnes, uh, Captain America's uh, kind of his the Robin to his Batman during World War II, but who had been revitalized as a an assassin for hire, a Hydra assassin for hire, who Captain America believes can be redeemed. And that story took about a year and uh, became pretty quickly. It's an interesting story. It doesn't. I would say I would probably compare it to kind of like a Jack Ryan energy in a lot of that, or maybe a mm. kind of Jason Bourne. It's very much a like a spy espionage so like a he, yeah. he had his background is in crime comics so it, yeah. it kind of has a crime feel to it uh rereading it this week it, it's a really well done comic series the the art is is a little bit strange hasn't aged as well but the story just really cracks yeah and i mean i think i think he did a really good job of tapping into that tension that the best captain america comics do which is you know that kind of disconnect between the person that you know the the writers kind of believe Captain America to be and I you know other people much more eloquent than I I am have talked a lot about this like you know Captain America is sort of this um archetype of what America could be versus what it actually is um and I you know I I think also Brubaker came in when you know Marvel was kind of trying to figure that out too like they you know they were yeah that's he came point. in like during Civil War so it's like you know what does it mean to be a hero like what does superheroism mean and I think you know just you know looking at like how a character who's supposed to be have this like moral compass kind of juggles all of that versus like you know kind of the um I would say more like rah rah, anything goes. Nature of Shield, and even with Sharon, which I think presents her as a really good foil for his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I think you know the really personal stakes of having Winter Soldier revealed to be Bucky, his best friend. I don't know if you guys can relate to this. I, I think probably a lot of people probably can. I really stand Captain America. Like I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big fan, and I feel very at odds about that. Because I would I would say I'm a pretty critical of America in general, like of of the idea of the U.S. and like politically, uh, probably a line like like more to the left. Um, but but then I love Cap. I really love Steve Rogers. I think because he more than he gets credit for in the general populace does what you're saying, Ryan, which is embody those highest ideals of what maybe the best version of America could possibly be. And the best writers do figure out how uh, how to make Steve Rogers somebody who says, well, if America, 
he doesn't just walk off in whatever direction America points him in. He has his yeah. own personal standard, and if America deviates from that, that's on them. He feels he feels very sure of his own moral code, and that that is a very like uh, it's a very dangerous thing to have somebody who's like so confident and so stubborn about their own like moral ideology that anybody else who veers off that famous line about. Uh, you plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the mob, no, you move. It's pretty dangerous unless you have somebody like Steve Rogers saying it, who is right. actually, actually this like his superpower is almost just that he's a super, super humanly good person. And yeah. that's as bad a superpower as he gets. It, it's been interesting for me to try to navigate that tension in my own fandom because I don't always feel like, I feel like saying I love Captain America communicates something about me that I don't necessarily want communicated, even though I really do love mm-hmm. the character. Yeah. It's funny because like, I don't feel like you would feel that way. You, you would have felt that way like a, a, like a year ago, maybe. Sure. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's definitely it, harder I, in, in Trump's America than it is now. Yeah, but it, it, is, it is interesting how when you, regardless of how you felt about who the president was prior to Biden, regardless of how you felt about that, I think when you read these things now, because so much has been just been, there's been so much change. A lot of it bad. A lot of it's just acknowledging what's bad, finally. I I, I actually, like, I reevaluated Cap's kind of heel-digging, you know, style with his opinions. And I feel like it's one thing that I've learned in the last year is, like, like, you know, having opinions is good, but, like, I feel like we should all be more open-minded and willing to... To, to let go of those opinions that we that we were grasping onto maybe a little too tightly. And it's kind of made me look at Cap a little differently, which, like, before I was very sure of how I felt about, like, how he made his decision. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, like, it's the right call. It's, like, mm-hmm. the right thing to do. It's interesting reevaluating it. He is not by... there. I think one of the consistent characterizations of him is that he is not really, in that way, an open-minded person. He He's no. very self-assured. And obviously his, like the like morals kind of change with the year, you know, with as time moves forward and different writers come into the, to the foray uh, mm-hmm. and he'll become maybe more inclusive or, or uh, more progressive depending on the writer, but he will always be very, nobody, nobody else tells, nobody else teaches Captain America much of anything. And sometimes this is used to really well. Like I think Civil War, both the movie and the comic, that found a lot of good dramatic tension and the idea of somebody saying, like people, good friends of Captain America begging him to, to like compromise a little bit and him saying mm-hmm. no, him being very wary of the idea of compromise and just not seeing a lot of value in meeting other people in the middle when there's a moral good on the line. And I think there's something that's really beguiling about that. I don't know how practical it is outside of the comic book world, but it's definitely inspiring to see somebody uh, refuse to back down. And I think it's what, you know, that's what a lot of Americans aspire to be. They aspire to be the cowboy who doesn't have to uh, to back down from a moral fight like that. Unfortunately, yeah. it more often looks like George W. Bush than it does Steve Rogers, right. you know? I think that is a really important point because, I, you know, I think it always comes back to the realization that comic books are necessarily fantasy, you know, as much yeah. as they bring the real world in with them. You know, it's like, like, I love Batman, but, like, Batman's a fascist and, like, <laughs> is bad. Like, you know, in the real Martial world, law I, would be like, and yeah, yeah. I would be like, this person needs to be put in prison and probably, like, you know, uh-huh. made sure that they never leave a psychiatric ward. Um, but, but, like, you know, when it comes to comics, it's like, these are fantasies and like sometimes those can be healthy and sometimes those can be unhealthy um and i think we've seen examples of both um when it comes to comics but it you know it's just like i feel like the like part of the reason i like superhero comics is because they feel aspirational and not not in like a way where like i want to be you know the best or something but like the idea that like someone could be theoretically good enough to not compromise, but to make the right decision, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a way that that like often isn't seen in the real world. 
Um, and I, you know, I think that's also why, like Superman, even though Superman, you know, is often boring or written really poorly because he is a Boy Scout. Like that's always the accusation, right? Like he's too good. Um, and so I guess you know that's that's what I wrestle with because it's like, yeah, obviously the real world is much more nuanced than that. And I think I think it's really valuable to bring some of that into comics. Like even in Brubaker's run, obviously everything is shaded with sort of the cynicism um, that I think makes the comics stronger. But, you know, like not to continue to harp on, which I'm sure will piss people off who love DC movies. But it's like, you know, if you don't love superhero comics and you might as well just make Zack Snyder films because it's like, you know, if you think these are gods who have no interest in humanity or like nothing to show humanity, Mm -hmm. um, then like that's that's where the real world comes rushing in. Because, of course, like all these people would be monsters if they were real. And like we've seen plenty of shows and you know, comic properties, not usually with the big two, but like, you know, you think of the boys on Amazon and, um, you know, there's a couple other series like Invincible by Robert Invincible, Kirkman. Invincible, yeah. Yeah, Mark Wade has one that's really good about that. Um, even Watchmen kind of delves into that too. But it's, you know, it's like those, I feel like are almost different genres of like literature than the rest of, you know, kind of mainstream superhero comics. And I like mm-hmm. that, Captain America gives something to aspire to. And I I feel like that's honestly why the Winter Soldier arc works so well is because Bucky is, you know, torn up by disappointing this sort of like extremely good person. And like by having this archetype that sort of gives Sam and Bucky in the comics and then in the show, like this person that they feel like they have to live up to. I think that makes for some really interesting tension. Yeah. I wonder how like, you know, someone who's religious reads a character like Captain America versus someone who's not, because there's like a whole lot of idolizing that happens when you have a character like Superman or Captain America who are so inherently good. And, you know, you put them on a pedestal. I feel like if you grew up in a, you know, churchy world, like we all did, like we've all had to kind of come to terms with how dangerous that is. Like I idolize idolizing people on their character. And that's what and that's why it's a fantasy, I think, is because it's like, oh, this can actually happen in comics. (laughs) I know, it's a fantasy, but it it it, it gets so played out in the real world, like the same kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why on you, sorry. No, no, I think that's I think that's important. I think that's even uh, well, Stan Lee has in that monologue we were talking about earlier on in the episode, it's kind of famous about monologue about how like that person is your brother, that person is your sister, and together we can all rise and and become. Uh, he has something about something to the effect of uh, become. I wish I wish I had the direct quote, and I, I don't have it with me. But Stanley was often very uh, humanist in his ideas that the rise of the human race was sort of inevitable; that we would continue to evolve at a spiritual, moral level into better and better people. And he would often write these characters as sort of maybe a a jump start in that process that these heroes were the best versions of who we are. And uh, I think that's, that is really core to understanding the superhero genre because Stanley shaped it like that, right? He mm-hmm. shaped he shaped this idea of these people being, even the ones who don't have superpowers, like Captain America only kind of has, they still are larger-than-life figures who should be can be taken as interesting inspiration and definitely the source of a lot of good stories. And I think can provide some level of like moral lessons too with in the hands of good writers. But the idea of somebody who doesn't, who never listens and never compromises like Steve Rogers, that doesn't really work because we, we, I think we have probably all suffered at the hands of those people in one way or another. Right. But I mean, I mean, in Captain America, I think it's important in Superman too, is like, you know, it came from writers and people who were coming out of World War II, basically watching these atrocities happen and feeling yeah, totally yeah, helpless. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're essentially writing fantasy about, like, you know, Captain America. What if he punched Hitler? Like, what if we had someone like Captain America? Uh-huh. Like, wouldn't that be great? Uh-huh. And I think that... Spirit, Largely Jewish kids, it should be noted, right. too. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that spirit is the one that makes me like these comics so much is like, 
you know, it's the same reason I like, you know, in spite of their extreme violence, like movies like John Wick or like revenge movies where like, uh-huh. you know, in real life, I would be like, oh, like you committed murder, like go to jail. <laughs> you should be um, in jail. <laughs> yeah. But in, but yeah, in, yeah. you know, in a movie, it's just like, yes, this is justice. Like, I believe that uh, this, you know, is right and good, even though in real life it's not right and good. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think. Like, I, I think it's worth having some of those characters that are black and white. Um, and, you know, it's... I do, too. I feel like, like, that's why, you know, like, Star Wars is so important, I think, for that reason, too, is, like, having villains and heroes that feel, you know, granted, two-dimensional, but that, mm-hmm. you know, occupy this sort of good and evil kind of world. Um, and I, I mean, I think for me, it like, something that really crystallized this for me was, like, and again, I don't want to harp on this, but like I, I remember reading um, Mark Wade his like blog post that kind of went viral after he saw Man of Steel the first time. Um, yeah, and he it's he a really basically, powerful like, write up. Yeah, and he basically like talked about how it had some really good moments that he really loved, and even some of the moments that he was you know really a big fan of like came from comics he'd written. But he said, like, the moment when Superman killed someone, he basically stood up, swore at the screen, and then stormed out. Which, like, you know, I, w- I remember reading and being like, that's very dramatic. But, you know, I think, like, I think there is something to that where it's like, you know, we don't, like, these are fantasy characters. Like, we can have them be heroes and not mm-hmm. have to be as, like, you know, grotesque as us. Morally compromised. As yeah, we I, yeah I mean, in general, yeah. I'd like to see people be, like, less grotesque always yeah it's the it's Um, a huge appeal to these to these for me is that you can watch somebody be the sort of person that isn't maybe super realistic for us but is mm -hmm. very it's it's i think insofar as there's any sort of um like sort of escapism for me uh it's less about what if i could be a superhero could beat up bad guys and we're like what if i lived in a world where there were really good people who who did mm-hmm. good things no matter what like that sounds yeah. like a very appealing fantasy for me and that's i think maybe the biggest straw for me now of the of the whole genre and captain america encapsulates that probably <laughs> other than superman maybe more than anybody else yeah, I think that's uh, good. <laughs> uh, what if there were a group of superheroes in the Great Lakes region who decided oh, to band that, together? That's, that's yeah, good. there we go. <laughs> that's a throwback <laughs> in the heart in the heartland. <laughs> we're coming. We barely got to like. I want to talk about uh, Ryan. You read Captain America. Uh, what's it called? Red, white, and truth. Red, red white, white, and black. Yeah, truth. Red, white, and black. Which yeah. is like which was touched on in Falcon and Winter Soldier. A little bit. They didn't go quite as hard as yeah. the comic series did. Um, yeah, they. I mean, well, they, we'll wrap the up pretty soon here. But tell me what you think about about that series. Yeah, uh, th- I mean, that was one of the ones that the showrunner really referenced when he kind of talked about their impetus for doing this. Yeah, um, and I think did it introduce the character of Isaiah Bradley? It did. Or okay, as, I, yeah. as I believe so. I, I think okay. it, it did though. Yeah, it, so introduced the, the idea that that before Steve Rogers, the Super Soldier Serum had been tested on other people, and in yeah. a pretty blatant reference to the Tuskegee Institute experiments, right? Yeah, was uh, was tested on black people. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the whole thing is basically about kind of what happens to these soldiers that were, you know, vaccinated with the um, Super Soldier Serum and kind of the experimentation done, and it really does. I mean, for all of my you know, previous stuff about heroes, like, you know, it it definitely changes um, the character of the person who injected Steve with the super soldier serum and kind of like that whole process. But yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because it's basically a group of African-American soldiers fighting in Vietnam who are, or sorry, I guess World War II first and then Vietnam later. And they're, you know, they're given the super soldier serum and just kind of what happens to them. And I mean, you know, I think, again, like some of the best Captain American stories, it delves into what does America mean? Like, what does it mean to be American? And what does it mean to kind of embody the best ideals of it? Um, yeah, I mean, I like, I think it's really well written and I think the ideas are really good. Um, the art definitely is not my style. Um, I think it, uh, I know the artist is like pretty well regarded, so I, you know, I don't want to like totally bash I don't, him. I don't like the art very much. Yeah, unfortunately, but, um, I, I think the story's I mean, great, but I really the art takes me out of it. 
Yeah. I mean, it was distracting enough that I actually I had a hard time making it through the book because, like, even some of the backgrounds were just so garish that I couldn't, like, it was hard to read. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you liked the ideas or some of the ideas that they wrestled with in Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, it's well worth a read to kind of, you know, grapple with that a little bit more. I, the art, the art is not my favorite, but we're a little picky about that here at Cape Town. I guess so. I mean, it's a, the medium requires some good art. Oh, which, no. yeah. I, I which e- I would say even the Winter Soldier artwork is, is not really my fa- has not yeah yeah it doesn't age super well. all that well for there, me. I think yeah. it was cool at the time, but I I don't love it. A lot of good, even the current run with Ta-Nehisi Coates, which is really well written, and Ta-Nehisi Coates obviously one of the great like American essayists of his day. The art has been really hit and miss for me, and that the writing is consistently really good, but the art. This, uh, I don't know, maybe great artists just aren't drawn to Captain America for whatever reason. I don't know. It, yeah, maybe. It, I don't know. Uh, so I was, this is not Captain America, but uh, I read Falcon Winter Soldier. Run oh, yeah. In progress right now from Derek Landy, whom I have not read anything from, but I actually really mm. like the art. That art, I, I have not read the series, solid. but it looks very cool. It, the yeah. art that I've seen that looks good. awesome. It's really good. I, I've only read five issues, but I like it. There's some, like, what kind of what they played into with, with the series. I, I feel like there's some good buddy cop vibes happening. You Their know, chemistry is strong. Oh, for, and we saw that in Civil War. I'm so glad yeah. they kind of went that route because, like, the moment you saw those two, like, share a scene together like it's ah, good man, I, I dig good the chemistry yeah it's fun yeah. I, I like i like watching anthony mackie and Se- and uh seb stan chop it up a yeah. little bit that was those were good moments yeah so the, the kind of camaraderie very similar to what you're seeing in the mcu i wouldn't doubt like they just kind of base some of those characters off what's happening in the films but i like it so far it's really good like yeah like they are solid it's yeah. interesting it to up. me how much these uh i I feel like there's this idea in the general public especially among kind of film buffs that these actors just hate their lives and their jobs and would if it wasn't for the paycheck wouldn't be involved which yes none of us would be doing what we're doing if not for the paycheck that's very (laughs) fair i I totally get that but uh but uh it seems like they genuinely those anthony maggie and sebastian in particular Loves seem it. to really tell. enjoy oh. being in this and people seem to like seem to be like pretty happy about their experience yeah. I and mean, you don't hear a lot of bad story obviously they have to like make a little bit nice for the cameras but everybody who's gotten in has been happy to stay in as long as they were people keep asking them back i think robert downey jr and chris evans are probably the only two who have absolutely dipped for sure and that was yeah. only after they gave what 10 years of their life to the whole thing. Yeah. It seems like Disney knows how to take care of their, their prized possessions and Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie obviously qualify for that. Which I think is interesting because uh, they take care of the actors apparently, but do not take care of the comic book writers uh, nope. or artists. No so kidding. Disney, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, uh, <laughs> you should pay Ed Brubaker. No you kidding. Just pay him. It's not that hard. You have like billions yeah, of dollars every second just for me. I think he was the one who said even that he makes more money from his cameo appearance in The Winter Soldier than he does from the actual residuals from his characters being used in the movies themselves. And that just yeah, should not wrong. be. Yeah. That is just, Fix that. Yeah. I know that Disney is I know Disney's a little strapped for cash these days, but <laughs> if they could dig deep, then yeah. mm-hmm. maybe they could it, figure this one out. Ironically, that's something that DC has done really well. That's true. It has paid mm-hmm. it has paid true. comic writers, it has paid comic artists, it's paid the creators of these characters. Um, made sure at every turn to give them credit. Um, and Disney, you could do that too. You got Star yeah, Wars they, money. They attract solid talent because of that. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, exactly. I would go over there yeah. for sure. If yeah. I when I when I get hired to start writing some of these, DC seems like a way better gig financially speaking than Marvel yeah. does right now. Yeah, yeah, which is really inexcusable. Yeah, 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 it's unfortunate. You have to be really love the game because you're not getting rich off of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. Well, we're well over time at this point, and I think ending on a sour note about the lives of the <laughs> creators is about as good as we're uh, just jumping Can we talk about Rachel Hollis, Hollis now? We didn't even get to Hollis. <laughs> Maybe we can find it. Maybe we can like structure it next time. Like The next oh, episode can be a little more about like an actual influencer in the comic book community. I don't know if they have any. I don't know. No, but, but if like, y'all just want to talk about it, something. maybe we should. Daz- I think Dazzler. we need to get some stuff. Yeah, we need to get some stuff <laughs> off our chest. We clearly like, do. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, we haven't really decided who we're going to talk about next, but uh, it'll definitely be a good one. I think the next actual like show that's coming out is Loki. So we'll have to get to Loki yeah, so sooner too. or later. We're all really excited about that. I'm pretty excited yeah. about that show. That show went from being one of the ones I was least excited about to being very. I'm I'm very curious to see where they go with this one. Well, maybe we can encourage our listeners to uh, submit their ideas. If we have if we have had a few submissions. Uh, we'll talk, we'll talk about it offline. We'll come back with a good one. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. come back with yeah, something sorry. special. We'll come back strong. Thank you for listening, as always, to Cape Town. Uh, we, if, if you like what you hear, and I hope you did, I sincerely hope this is your favorite superhero podcast, then uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts and those, those good reviews, those subscriptions, they really do help us out a lot. They go a long ways towards making sure that we're able to continue to do this, which we want to be able to do. Yeah, and I could pronounce Kevin Feige now, so yeah, thank you. They also, you can, uh, yeah, you can give us com- you know, comments. Yeah, uh, constructive we'll ta- feedback. We read them. We read, we read them. We yeah, mostly read them. We do. Uh, I I check it out every now and then. I read Uh, them all. (laughs) And uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Hannah Mazel. And I'm Ryan Hamm. No need for thanks, citizens. We will see you next time.